Well, good morning, everybody. Hope you're having a great day. Welcome to Cornerstone Church. I'm Ron Falstead, one of the elders. Um, Tony asked me to preach last week on marriage and then this week on children. But before we get started, for you uh, guys are going to check out and go to sleep, uh, leave early. I'm going to leave you with the main thought right now so you don't miss out. And it's this. We have to stop telling God how big the storm is. We have to start telling the storm how big our God is. Amen. Let's pray. <laughs> you say it. <laughs> we have to stop telling God how big the storm is and start telling the storm how big our God is. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are the God of the universe. You created everything. You are so much bigger than anything we can face. Anything, physically, emotionally, spiritually, you are there. And I thank you, Lord, that we can have total confidence in you and that your plan is working out. And I pray, God, that you would give us the courage, the wisdom to follow you as you desire and be the people you desire us to be, that we would be the lights in this culture, in this world. We're going to look forward to seeing what you are doing and what you will do through us. Thank you so much for loving us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you need a Bible, uh, just raise your hand. We're going to be in Deuteronomy today. Deuteronomy 6. We doing okay? Okay, we're doing okay. Well, uh, Tony asked me to talk today about raising children. And uh, maybe he thinks because I act like a kid, I can relate to kids. Uh, maybe it's the 15 grandkids I do have which we love, or the fact that, that I was in the fire service dealing with firefighters and they all have ADD. And that's the reality. And the worst time in the fire service is, is when you don't have a fire for a couple of shifts. Because then they start just getting anxious. And I'll give you a great example. Uh, I was on a truck company and we had moved to another station to get out uh, of our station because they were remodeling it and the street was narrow so I asked the apparatus operator I said I want you to mark the curb on the other side so that no car parks there otherwise we can't make the turn so he did and uh, a couple hours later I'm in the front office and there's a knock on the door and this mom answers uh, or I answered and the mom she was livid, and she was just yelling. She had a little six, seven-year-old boy, and I'm thinking, what is wrong? And she points across the street, and <laughs> what my driver had done is he marked it off with crime scene tape, and he put a chalk figure of someone on the street. <laughs> I'm thinking, now that's creative. I got to admit, <laughs> you got to give him credit for that, but it's also communication, all right, he took it. And, you know, isn't that like dealing with kids? You tell them to do something and their understanding of it is totally different than your understanding of it. So I, it's, today is not just for parents. It, it's, 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 it's also for grandparents. It's for uncles and aunts. It's for all of us, really, because we can't keep doing church like we've always done church for the last, you know, 50, 100 years. 
we have to figure out a new way of being more effective. How can the church really help parents and how do we help raise the kids that are, that are and, and even the kids that are outside of a church family? You know, if you think about it, Incline Village has less than 1,000 kids in it. Now, if we have a church of, say, 200, we should be able to reach every kid in this city. Can you imagine that? If we can just reach out to them in different ways. And Jessica is doing a wonderful job uh, with Amber's help and uh, uh, Gabe with the high schoolers. And, uh, and we'll get into that a little later. But let me give you a statistic. 90% of the kids raised in the church will leave their faith after high school. Now, that's horrible. But of the ones that stay, 90% of those had a mentor outside of their parents. That's the importance of support to families. So what is the main thing in parenting, grandparenting, just living? Because you got to know why we're here. And it's, it's very simple, and it's very clear in the Bible. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. That is our number one priority. As a parent, as a grandparent, or everyone, is loving God in a deeper way. And we, once we do that, we let the world know, and we experience it, that's the light that God uses to make a difference. You know, you, 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 we, we're facing some challenges today, without a doubt, you know, uh, shootings in schools. I mean, that, imagine being a 10-year-old kid and hearing about this and not understanding it. And we have to communicate the, 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 the most important thing about those tragic events. It's a, it's a fallen world. It's a sin nature of man. All right, it's not guns. It's not anything else. It's not bullying. Yeah, the, all this stuff comes into it, but it's the sin nature of man. And how do we deal with that? So let's go to Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9. Uh, this is it's just packed full, very short, but it has the principles of raising kids. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. If you just take a step back from this, I mean, what God is telling us is, I need to be involved in every part of your life. You don't come and sit on the couch and, and take a vacation from God. You're always surrounded by God. And he said, surround them and let your, surround yourself with God and let your kids see that. Because your kids, all kids are just little sponges. They take in your actions a lot more than your words. 
So if we just act, we, we can't do it ourselves because we just, we're simple creatures. But the reality is when our focus is on God, he softens that and he keeps us going in the right direction. And that will make a difference. So let's uh, break it down a little bit. The, the first couple verses, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. So it's more than, he didn't say in your head, he said on your heart, your attitude. It's more than knowledge. He's saying put it, put it in there, live it. Let it be your motivating factor in your life. And you can't fake this. And it says the exact same thing in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So it's obviously extremely important. You can't add God to your life. You have to join him. And that's the difference. Subtle difference, but a huge difference. So that is what we have to communicate to our kids, our love for God. It's not rules. It's not going to church. It's not doing things. When we do things, we do it out of our love for God. And that makes the difference. So first, we have to do that. Second of all, is we have to communicate that in words and deeds, in our living and our attitude. You shall teach them diligently, but with effort and intentionality to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. That, that denotes actions. And they shall be as frontals, your thinking, on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorpost. That's a reminder of who God is. And on your gates. So it's, it's all laid out there. There's nothing that we omit when we're following God. Because your faith will give the reality of God to your kids. And it won't be communicated just by going to church. Yes, it's important. You just can't throw up an occasional prayer. Kids, kids read through that. Your kids need to see who you go to in good times and bad. They need to see you act out with God in the midst of it. We have, uh, Ted was one of, one of the guys that goes here, and he started a thing a couple years ago, uh, and he would simply uh, make birdhouses and stuff with elementary school kids. And it's so cool. What a great idea. You know, teaching kids how to use tools and cut wood and all that stuff, and no one cut their fingers off. It all worked. So, you know, there's a mentor that just invested into that. You know, that's the kind of stuff we can do. We can take the gifts, the skills we have, and help these kids learn and, 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 and bring God along with it. I mean, that is an incredible lesson. Uh, uh, my youngest daughter has three kids, seven, five, and, and three. And I was a couple weeks ago, 
they just had a tough day, and uh, on Saturday they got to bed late and everything, and they got up and they said, uh, I think we're just going to skip church. And boy, the seven-year-old and five-year-old, no, we want to go to church. You can't do that. We want to play. We want to do this, and we want to color, and you know, everything that had to do with it. So they relented, but I thought, that is so cool, because they had... Had, had created an environment in which the kids enjoyed going there. You start that when they're young, as they get older, it's so much easier because their expectations are, are, are really high. They enjoy it. I mean, th think about it. If, if we were as excited about God as we were the Super Bowl or, or, you know, boating or golfing or fishing and, well, I mean, I love fishing and boating <laughs> and all those things, and I enjoy it. But, you know, as parents, if you love boating, you don't talk about how neat bowling, boating is and then and send them to a babysitter and then you go boating. They're not going to learn boating. They're, they're not going to get a love for that. They're going to get a love for it if you take them out there and throw them off the boat and do what you do with kids. <laughs> that, isn't that what you do? <laughs> Swim. But when we're excited about something and we communicate that, kids love it. And, and we absorb, if you think about what uh, Deuteronomy is saying, have God in the forefront in your music, in your TV, in your movies, in your books, in your podcasts. And it's for you as well as them. You know, when our kids were growing up, we would buy, they had uh, family, uh, focus on the family, Odyssey. And so we bought all the CDs. And, and if they're going to watch something, that's always what they, they, they had to watch first. And they, they just grew up enjoying it. We had TV tickets. So pretty much they could watch, uh, for every half hour they read, they got a, a TV ticket. And then they could use that for, uh, I think it was a 15 minutes of TV. Or at the end of the week, we'd give them a dollar for each ticket they had. Oh, I tell you, we really learned that they, they knew financial management at six or seven. I mean, it's, I, I, it was listening to them argue, uh, let's watch this. No, you use your TV ticket. No, no I don't want to use mine. I've got two dollars already. So it was just, it was hilarious. Let's read for a half hour and then we'll have some more. So we do that, and, and then you take into places like Awanas. You absorb them in that. And that, you know what? You learn from stuff like that. Awana, if you ask me what the, the fourth commandment is, sixth commandment, number one, we've just begun. God should be first in your life. Number two, the idol rule. Those graven images aren't nice. And I have to sing the whole thing to get to the right verse. <laughs> but I learned that in Awanas, and it was the coolest way. It was a lot easier than just memorizing the scripture, but it, that's what it is. You know, family time, meals, prayers, when problems arise, that's communicating who God is in your life. And when we come alongside parents, that's how we communicate it. They need to see people that love God. The third is shepherd. Parents is shepherd. You know, Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That is our job as a parent. You are training them. 
I know so many people would say, well, are you going to uh, raise your kids up a Christian? Oh, no, I'm going to let them uh, decide when they're older. Well, you've just decided what, what they're going to believe and what's important to them. You're saying, God's not important to me, and I'm going to model how unimportant God is. So when you get older, why would they even say God's important? Why would they even think that? Because they didn't see it. It wasn't modeled to them. The, the parent is the primary coach, the teacher, the cheerleader, the protector, and the guide. And, and the reality is, so much of the worldviews now taught in our schools are just downright evil. And I would say child abuse. No, it's our job to say no. No, this is what God has created me to do, and I'm going to protect my children. And I'm going to teach them things age-appropriate that their little brains can handle. I mean, you think about that in our, the, the, the history of our culture. Back in the early 1900s, if someone died, they were in a casket on the dining room table for a week, a couple days. They'd have them embalmed and laid out, and then all the families would come and walk around it, at least in the Midwest. Think of that. And then it got to the point where we're going, no, we got to hide death from children. But let's expose them to sex. That's a great idea. No. We have everything upside down. So your job as parent is, is, is you are training them to make good decisions. And by the time they leave your house, you hope that they can think through and make decisions based on all the facts, not just on what they're taught. It's easy. You know, when they're younger, you, you, you teach them what's right and wrong. But as they get older, they start questioning things, and that's good. Let them question things, but help them reason through so they can come up with a conclusion. That is such a critical part of parenting. And, and, and that's probably one of the biggest issues as we have is we tend to have fear for our kids. And, and then we try to overprotect them in the sense that we just want to tell them how to act and what to do. And when they say why, it's because I said so. No, you know, when they get older, they, they need to learn why they're doing things. And it takes time and communication and openness. The other thing we can do for our kids, the minute they get born, start praying for their mate. It, I mean, that is so critical. I have four daughters, and they are all married to godly men, and I couldn't be more proud. But, boy, it, it's, oh, God, please bring someone that understands what a husband should be in God's eyes. And, by the way, I, I don't want to be, take this as critical. If, if, you know, you've been for a divorce, you had a hard time, maybe you weren't a Christian young, you've made a lot of mistakes. Hey, it, that's the past. It's over. You have the same bright future to pray for your kids, to act with your kids than anyone. Don't live in condemnation and guilt. Let it go. Say, God, use me, because he is the only person, the only God that can redeem our sins. You know, isn't that comforting? It just, 
Thank you, Lord, for, for, for forgiving me. And I pray that I would grow and be used as a stronger tool for you because of my failures. That's how we look at our failures, not, oh, I'm stuck. It'll never change. It's my fault. No, let it go. God is bigger than that. And then lastly, uh, it's, it's discipline. In Proverbs 13, 24, well, not lastly. I get one more point after this. <laughs> discipline. He who withholds his rod. Uh oh, I'm taking too long, Tony. I wanted, I, we, Tony was supposed to come up. We were supposed to answer, so we have four questions we wanted to answer. Well, I'll, I'll finish this. <laughs> He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him dis disciplines him diligently. Diligently, consistently, and equal. Kids need boundaries. That's our job. Proverbs 19, 18. Discipline your son while there is hope, and do not desire his death. Think about that. God's saying, if you don't discipline your son, man, you're, you're sending him on the wrong road to even make possibly leading to death. But then on the other side, Colossians 3.21, fathers, do not exasperate your children so they will not lose heart. Boy, that's perfect balance. You know, why do we discipline? To punish? No, we discipline to teach. You know, I, I grew up in a generation that, uh, hey, I got the belt. If I heard my dad's belt coming out, there was no second chance. But he had already warned me two or three times, and me and my brother were probably messing around, doing stuff. And when I heard the belt come off, uh-oh. But my dad never hit us in anger. It was like, uh, boys, you better be quiet. I'm coming in here with the belt if you do, if you continue this. And, of course, we ignored him, and, and off goes the belt. And he'd come in, and, all right, this, it's time. And, and I never took it as a child abuse. No, I knew I deserved some sort of punishment. And it was over quick. <laughs> it wasn't fun, but it was over, and that was it. But I never, I never felt, well, gee, that's the way to deal with, uh, you know, violence is the way to deal with it. No, it was simply a punishment. It's, it was the discipline that was used. The reality of God's focus on children is this, and this, this is my last point. Matthew 18, 6, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. That's God's love for our kids. Don't you dare stumble one of these kids. And as we relate to the children around, that's our thought. I don't want to make this kid stumble. I want to lift him up. I want to let him know that he is loved by God. Was, I just talked to uh, a couple of people uh, yesterday that, that uh, they, they work a lot with young life. And uh, when they'd have a troubled kid, uh, you know, Mario, who was the leader at the time, would call him up and say, hey, would you take on, you know, Jeff or Joe, because he's struggling. He's just got in trouble with the law. And they would, and they were telling me some of the su success stories. Just by going into their life, 
and giving them a job to, to work around the house so they could spend time and paying them nine bucks an hour. And, and they're just incredible stories. And, and these people are in their 80s. But they just never stopped loving kids. I love it. So we are the counterculture today. You know, when I was in high school, I remember we had to read the, the book, The Counterculture, which really talked about how, oh, we're going this way. And, you know, you're in high school, you're going, oh, makes sense to me. Well, now we are the counterculture. We go against where the culture is going. And we have the truth. We have the only hope that this world has. So as we think about that, you know, the thousand kids we have in this city my goodness, the, the activities that Jessica was just talking about, the soccer camps, the VBS, and, and, and all the Sunday school, the midweek programs. I mean, all incredible programs. And, and Gabe is coaching. I can't remember what sports he's coaching. Track and football. I mean, he just absorbs himself in the kids. We need to encourage them, lift them up, by noticing what they're doing, embracing them with encouragement and help on those events. You know, Kent and Alyssa Van Horn have taken on two foster kids already in this year. I mean, I love that. As the church gathers around and helps them, and they've, they had a prayer request that they couldn't get baby formula, and then about four days later, it's enough. We have enough baby, baby formula. Thank you so much. I mean, I love that. What a difference that can make. Because the next generation will carry the light of Jesus into this world, and we can make that as bright as possible. That's our job. That's our life focus. It's to love God and just let it come out of us. So at this point, we were supposed to do some talking. Uh, you want to skip that? We'll skip that today. Um, All right, well, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll do a real fast thing. We just have four questions, and uh, Tony wanted to talk about social media, uh, and, and I will just talk about formal education, and, and you had one more subject. Okay. Yeah. If you, if you remember, on our baby, our child dedication day about a month ago, I had mentioned there that that it's not a question of are you discipling your kids, but your kids are being discipled. The question is by whom and to what end? We all, the way we live, as Ron just described from Deuteronomy, are, are showing our children examples. And so when we were thinking about this message and what we need to think about mm -hmm. as parents, as grandparents, as aunts and uncles in the room, um, one thing that came up to me is, how is social media influencing our lives and our children's lives? And so, social media is, an the internet is amazing. It has changed our lives, has it not? Would you agree it's changed our life in many ways to the good? Mm -hmm. I, I think it definitely has. But it's also changed our lives to a detrimental with our relationships with each other and with the Lord. So I, I did a little research this week, and, and there's this group called Common Sense Media. And they did a survey, this was before COVID. So I bet, it's, I bet it's different today, maybe, maybe not, maybe worse. But here's what they came out with, this survey of eight to 18 year olds. And 
and they, they, they surveyed thousands of them. And they came out with that, on average, eight to 18 year olds spend five to seven hours a day of screen time. Mm -hmm. Teenagers is nine hours a day. Tweens, tweeners, that's a new term. Tweeners is like, like 10 to 12 year olds. They're spending six hours a day of screen time. And that screen time includes TV, video games, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, um, text messaging. In fact, it said there that 13-year-olds will check their social media accounts or their text messages a minimum of 100 times a day. So how is that affecting our children? And what do we as parents do about it, and grandparents, and aunts and uncles? It's not gonna go away. It's just not. In fact, I was talking to Gabe. Gabe said that 90% of his middle schoolers have cell phones. And so, and I know my daughter, but she was 14, she got a cell phone. Because we got rid of her landline. I'm not paying for a landline if we all have cell phones. I go, uh-oh, I can't, I can't take the cell phone away as punishment now. Because she has to be able to get a hold of us. So, what I want to say to us is be more proactive with your children on social media. Mm -hmm. and, and that is join them, teach them some things about it. And, and the, the adult content on social media is easy to get to. Parents, don't be naive. And, and, and dads with your boys, you know what I'm gonna say. They can sniff it out quicker than anything inappropriate material. So, so please, let's be very proactive in discipling our children on the use of social media. And, and we can do it. It's not going away. To restrict your children to never access it is not the answer, I don't think. It's to teach them how. Okay, Ron, you had one more. Um, yeah, I just wanted to briefly talk about the formal education. You know, the big argument is homeschool versus public school versus charter school. Bottom line is this, this is the principle. It's up to you as parents to educate your kids, to train them up. So I, yeah, I, I love home, uh, homeschooling, but I also recognize that, that every family can't do that. So if you decide to send your child to a public school, then you just don't let them go out the door. You better be reading everything that they're being taught. You better be talking to them about it. Uh, volunteering at the school when you can, everything. You need to know and make an influence rather than figure, oh, it's going to be okay, because it's not going to be okay, because they're going to be trained, indoctrinated in, in, in worldviews that go against our Christian thing. So it's, it's not either or. It's whatever you do, the parent has to be there involved with it, period. So that's, that's I think, so the last one for me is I want to talk to grandparents specifically, but also aunts and uncles. Um, my sister has raised two boys, or two, two children that were her stepchildren, but she never had any children of her own. But we have dozens and dozens of cousins in our family that and Aunt Noni is um, deeply influential. So aunts and uncles, you have great influence on people. And so Jessica said 80% of the room raised their hand. Grand how many grandparents in here? Good mm -hmm. uh, 40%. What, what a privilege we have. This is what scripture says about grandparents. 
it says that grandchildren are the crown of the aged and the glory of children is their fathers. So grandparents, are your grandchildren your crown? Is it, shouldn't you have started there first? It's not biologically possible, but it's kind of a cool idea. Um, as a parent, you are given the authority over your child before God to raise them. Grandparents, it's not so much about authority. I have 10 grandchildren. It's not about authority. It's about influence. So think of the difference between authority and influence. Often, you rebel against authority. It's just, it's just in our nature, is it not? But to have an influence in your life that you know cares for you has, has incredible power. So for me, even thinking about this this week, with 10 grandchildren ranging from newborn to 22 years old, um, I have some phenomenal opportunity to be an influence in these children's lives that I don't think I'm taking full advantage of. I, I think I love having fun with them. I'm kind of the fun guy. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, are they closer to the Lord because of my influence in their life? Not my guilt trips, not my lectures, living by example, as Ron said, and spending time with them to the end that they know my Savior. And um, so I'm, I'm committing myself, Teresa and I, to upping the ante. Teresa's very good at it. She, she sings with them all the time, teaches them songs about the Lord. But I'm, I'm upping the ante as a grandparent to say, to say, Lord, show me ways to have influence on my grandkids that they want more of, not, oh, Grandpa, get away. So grandparents, talk to the Lord about it. And supposedly, we have a lot of time on our hands, <laughs> supposedly. But think about where you spend your time, and you could spend it with influencing the grandkids. So Ron, pray for us. So the band can start coming up, and uh, I'll pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for opening the door for us to have you as our Father. God, I pray that we would be taking full advantage of that, loving you as you desire to be loved, because you love us with everything you have. Praise you for that. Lord, I pray, God, that each and every day we'd be growing closer to you and letting people around us see that love and the growth that you put in us. Thank you so much for your church here at Cornerstone, and I pray for a mighty work of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.